communication-based leadership or personality-based leadership, partnership-based leadership, team-based leadership or confidence-based leadership, whatever your style is, take it to your people so you can take your department to the next level. Hello and welcome to this month's edition of the FBI National Academy Associates Leadership APB podcast series. My name is Laura Masterton and I am the Director of Special Projects and Training Coordinator for the Association. For this episode, I had the pleasure of working with Paul Butler. As most of you know Paul, he is a graduate of NA Session 220 and has been the MC for the National Annual Training Conference for the past several years. He has also presented and attended many of your chapter events. Paul is not only a motivating speaker, but he leaves you with some thoughts to ponder and grow on. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this inspiring episode of Leadership APB. Hello, I'm Paul Butler, a 27-year veteran of law enforcement and a proud graduate of Session 220 of the FBI National Academy. When this series first started, I listened to them and I loved the the presentations. I think John Kennedy does a fantastic job drawing out some of the questions we all wonder when he talks to to these superstars in law enforcement. And I don't know that I ever imagined myself being on one of these podcasts. So while they have had bigger names available, they have not had anyone who is more honored or more thrilled to be involved in this podcast. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the leadership and uh, what it means in today's world, what we uh, have dealt with in the past, and a lot about how we're going to move forward in the future. Now, I have heard everyone do these presentations, and they have had some true legends in the business. Chief Chuck Ramsey, Commissioner Bill Bratton, Director Christopher Ray of the FBI, I can't help but think that maybe I know a little bit how Ringo Starr felt. He still gets to be a Beatle, which is a big deal, but it's obvious to see which one was easiest to replace. I want you to know that while I'm on this stage, we're not going to waste one minute of time, though. Uh, While this spotlight is on me, I'm going to do my best to perform to your satisfaction. I want to talk a little bit about the leadership that I have seen across this country that inspires me. Because over the last year, we have certainly learned that our plans can change at a moment's notice. But what has not changed since the beginning of time is the expectation of a leader. And what should not change, no matter whether your plans are ruined or not, is your purpose in a leadership position. Had an interesting story happen to me uh, just last year, uh, toward the end of the year in October. I was invited to speak in Idaho, and I had uh, been to Idaho before. I love it up there, uh, but I was only going to have a short commitment, just a couple of hour commitment at a Back the Blue rally. And I decided to invite my wife along. She rarely travels with me, and she loves to go and see beautiful sights. And we wanted to see Idaho together, and we decided we were going to turn that two hour presentation into a seven-day Yellowstone vacation. So we were excited, and I got all my plans together of everything we were going to do. And we landed in Salt Lake City. We wanted to rent a car and drive north and see how beautiful the area was all over, see as much of it as we could. And I have a friend who lives in Ogden, Utah, and I decided to stop and see my friend, which is very near the airport. 
visit with my friend for about an hour. And as we go to say our goodbyes and we're doing our bro hugs and all of those things after we've told each other how great we are, my wife excuses herself and walks on out to the car. I finish speaking to my friend. I walk outside. I sit down in the car and I look over at my wife and say, wasn't that a nice visit? To which she replied, I hurt my leg. And I said, what do you mean you hurt your leg? She said, I hurt my leg. And I said, what did you do? Slam it in the door? You, you, we just got outside. She said, no, I fell down the steps when we walked outside. I said, the steps that we walked up, you know, that's the weakness of a leader, is that when things start going wrong, we often turn toward who to blame in the deal. Instead of immediately rushing to her aid, I started thinking, how could you have done that? How did you let it happen? She said, I fell down the steps. I don't know what to tell you. And I said, Did you, is it hurt bad? She said, yes, it is. I said, let me see. And she showed me her leg, and it looked like she had stolen a tennis ball out of my friend's house with a, in her sock. It was obviously broken. I want you to know this. An hour and a half in to a seven-day Yellowstone vacation, we can still see planes landing at the airport. My wife had broken her ankle. That will ruin your vacation plans, no doubt about it. And as a selfish leader, I find myself wanting to just place blame and ask her how it could happen and go over it again and again, every detail, instead of moving past it and living out our purpose. As we drove to the hospital and she went in and had her leg x-rayed and you know, it was a, a strange moment for me. I, I had to go in due to COVID rules. She sat out in the car. I went in by myself and I went to check her in and they said, uh, okay, we'll go out and get her. They asked me inside of the hospital, how did she break her ankle? And I said, she fell down the steps. And they gave me the look, the look we've given to people a thousand times when we don't believe their stories. And they said that they'd need to talk to her alone. I went back outside and tried to make amends. I wanted to be extra nice and say, now, honey, when you go in there and they ask you things like, is he nice to you? And is he good to you? You let them know. I take care of you. I, I was not there when you fell down the steps. All I could imagine was getting arrested in Idaho and no one having being there to come get me. Uh, she went in and she had her leg x-rayed and I want you to know her ankle was indeed broken. And she came back out with the big boot and the crutches. And we drove on to Boise where I was going to do my event. And I was a little quiet for a while, deep in thought about what to do now that our plans had changed. But all of a sudden it hit me that while her breaking her ankle may have changed our plans, it did not change our purpose. Our purpose was to spend time together, to see some of God's most beautiful creations, and to reconnect and get to enjoy each other like we rarely get to do when I'm working. We went on to Yellowstone and lived out our purpose. We got close. We had a great time. We saw all those beautiful sights. And if you want to know the only real change it made was a change it made in me. It made me a little nicer than I probably normally would have been. I'm pulling up to the front of the hotel and opening the door for her and helping her get in and saying things like, I've got the bags. Don't worry about anything. I don't know that even though she broke her ankle, which is maybe the worst thing that could have happened to her, it was not the worst thing that could have happened to us. The worst thing that could have happened to us is if I became so obsessed with my plan that I forgot our purpose.
I want you to live out your purpose, ladies and gentlemen. And during these times, we still have a purpose to serve. I worked in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, here in Horry County, South Carolina, for 27 years. And every now and then we had a hurricane come our way. And when that hurricane was coming, we all got our hurricane plan together. And much of the time, that plan involved taking our officers and sending them to Myrtle Beach, where we would hunker down in some concrete building, and we would wait there until the storm hit, and then we would wait until it blew over. We'd come out of that concrete building and police on the other side of the mess that the storm created. I think right now I'm seeing a lot of that in law enforcement, that the storm of community distrust or public dissension or scrutiny from all angles has caused us to hunker down into the foxhole and we're waiting there for this storm to blow over and we plan on coming back out and policing on the other side of it and trying to restore normalcy and order to the mess that it created. But I've got news for my leaders out there. This storm's not going away. It's not blowing over anytime soon. And if you spend too much time hunkered down in that foxhole waiting to come out, when you finally emerge, the landscape is going to have changed so drastically that you'll no longer be effective. The time to get out there is now, to go ahead and face that storm, to go ahead and meet it head on and face that scrutiny with superior service. Give people what they do not expect. They're getting in their minds who they think we are and that we don't care about them, that we're not gonna listen to them, that we're not going to respond. But the greatest leaders I know are responding to their community needs. That's why we got in this business. I don't know about most of you, but in 1988, I took an oath. I placed my hand on a Bible, and there with God looking, and my parents watching, and everyone else who gathered that day for a Kodak moment, I swore an oath that I would do certain things, and part of that was to serve my fellow man, fairly and honestly and forever. My retirement did not end that oath. Man can't break that oath because that oath was with my God. It wasn't with my chief. I still live by that oath, and I'm still serving today. So let's talk about some of the inspirations I have seen that are causing me to be impressed with leadership and know that we're going to be okay. Now, I've met a ton of great leaders across this country when I travel and train. As a matter of fact, I say that the way I know that a department is usually doing something good, that they're doing something right, is that they're bringing in people like me to train. The department's running a disaster. They never bring any training in. They never want anyone to see behind the curtain. But usually the ones who are investing in their people now realize that that investment in their people is an investment in their community. Let me tell you about some of the great leaders that I have met who inspire me. Chief Jeff Spivey in Irving, Texas. He does what I call communications-based leadership. I love to follow his uh, Twitter account and the Instagram and all of those things because what they do is whenever they have a problem, they're on that social media and they're addressing it that day. Whenever they have a change in policy, I remember when I talked to him, I watched it. They were going to switch and allow officers to start wearing beards. They said that it was hampering some of the recruitment process, and they had made the decision, they were switching to it, and he wanted the community to know what to expect and why. It spoke to me also. 
I got to meet with him and I talked to him about it. And I told him that while I wasn't crazy about that decision, I'm still a little old school. I'm not the one sitting in his chair. And when I heard him come on that camera and talk about it, it made a world of difference to me. That's a leader with his communication skills that is moving the needle in Irving, Texas. Also love Michelle Freeman. She's recently retired. She did what I called personality-based leadership. I don't know that I've ever been in a room that Michelle Freeman was in that you didn't know it. You could feel it. She's talking to everyone. She likes everyone. She loves everyone. And when she brought me out to train with her staff in Las Vegas, Las Vegas PD, the city of Las Vegas, she introduced me to everyone. You could tell they respected her. They liked her. They admired her. And I still do today. I think about Chief Pat Knight. Pat Knight is one of my favorite guys up in Post Falls, Idaho. I want you to know Post Falls, Idaho really sets a standard when it comes to professionalism. He does what I call partnership-based leadership. Whenever he signed for me to come and speak to his agency, he wanted every agency in the city of Post Falls to be invited. It was amazing. I'm sitting there training with guys who are on their SWAT team and guys who are in their maintenance department. I'm talking to librarians. And I'm talking to leaders across the board. It was an amazing experience because, you know, there is no secret sauce to leadership. We all have an opportunity to lead wherever we are, regardless of our rank and regardless of our situation. And Pat Knight wanted everyone in that city to have access to the leadership that he believed his people needed. I love partnership-based leadership. I think of Matt Fisher. He is the chief of Worcester, Ohio. Worcester is a big city. It kind of fools me sometimes in South Carolina. We think about the big ones of Cleveland and Cincinnati, the ones you can name. But you go into Worcester, Ohio, it's big. And they have a lot going on in Worcester. He does what I call team-based leadership. Every time he was in a room with any of the people he worked around, he was team building, talking to them about their opinions, how they viewed the police department, and how the police department views them how they could work together and strengthen things better by being at the table together. I love how he treats a command staff meeting. It's almost like they're equals sitting at the table, coming up with the best idea and the best idea wins. Falling in love with Worcester, Ohio. I call it the Worcester way because I love being on a team and they've invited me on that team. I think recently about Chief Bill Darby up in Manchester, Connecticut. I was recently there, and he does what I call confidence-based leadership. Now, this is one I am particularly fond of. He has total confidence in the Manchester Police Department, the men and women of the Manchester Police Department, believing that every issue they have, they can solve, believing that every problem they have, they can develop the answer to. He trusts his people to go into the community and bring back information and he makes decisions that support their recommendations. He has total confidence in every man and woman inside of that department, regardless of rank. He also has confidence in his community. He believes that they are accessible enough that if they have a problem, if they see things differently, they can bring that straight to him. Now, I want you to spend some time thinking about your style of leadership. 
I don't know if you're a big shot or not, or you think you work at too small of a department to make a difference, but let me tell you this, we need all hands on deck at this time. And if you're doing something good, turn it into something great by spreading that word. Share your successes. Talk about your failures. Meet with everyone you can. Get information from every source possible. Don't be afraid to meet with people who disagree with you. Now, I'm not talking about rioters and radicals or people who make a living by trying to undermine government. I'm talking about the people in your community who really are concerned, the ones who really are afraid. You need to find a way to connect with them. Communication-based leadership or personality-based leadership, partnership-based leadership, team-based leadership or confidence-based leadership, whatever your style is, take it to your people so you can take your department to the next level. What I love about this moment is leaders embrace the difficult times. No leader, no true leader, got into this business to just draw a paycheck. And right now, leaders have an opportunity, more so than I ever remember, to shape the future of law enforcement. The decisions they make today, the decisions you make today, people may be talking about a hundred years from now, I find that exciting, not scary. Time to get back out of the foxhole, folks. Time to remember why we got into the business. Think about the oath you took. We're still here to serve. One of my favorite stories that I'm going to end with, my chaplain Jeff Prideoff loves this story, so I always try to tell it anytime he may be listening. And it's a story my brother related to me. He was on the South Carolina Highway Patrol working night shifts, and he heard this story, and he told me about it. He said, I think you'll love it, and I think you can use it. And Certainly, I have been able to use it a thousand times. When he first told it, it didn't mean as much to me, but my leadership journey has changed too. He told me a story about the Christian missionaries hundreds of years ago when they went into China to teach Christianity. They found a far different place than China is today. There was starvation on a biblical scale. They didn't have money like they do today. What it meant to have enough to be called wealthy was to simply have enough to eat. They also didn't have paper to record things on. They did it by, with an abundance of silk that they had. They took that silk and they would weave it into these beautiful tapestries. They looked like rugs with pictures on them. That's how they recorded the visits of the Christian missionaries into China. They also ate with chopsticks. And it wasn't for fun or ornamental purposes like it is these days. It was to keep from spreading disease. It had a very practical function. It said that they would never stick their hand to their mouths. That was considered taboo. That's the way disease was spread. They ate with chopsticks to protect themselves and to protect others. And they said that they would rather starve themselves to death than to ever touch their hands to their mouths. Well, hundreds of years later, when other Christian missionaries came into China, they found the tapestries that had been left behind and they pulled them out to examine them. They hung them on the walls. And the most interesting one was the one they talked about that was the Chinese interpretation of heaven and hell. Hell, a beautiful banquet hall with a long table right down the center. And on that table was all the food you could ever hope to want or need. It was amazing. Only the wealthiest of the wealthy could live that way. There were also chopsticks on the table. Chopsticks are a sign of purity in the Chinese culture. All the greatest emperors were buried with their chopsticks as a sign of purity. When people sat down at the table 
to eat, they picked up the chopsticks and they immediately discovered that they were so long, like flagpoles, like like pool cues. They were so long that when they picked up a piece of food and turned it around to put it in their mouth, it went so far past their heads that they couldn't reach their mouth with it. No matter how they stretched their arm out, they couldn't get that food in there. So even in this beautiful place with all of this wonderful food and wealth, there was starvation. There was anger. There was tension. There was gnashing of teeth. There were people trying to stretch their arms out longer to get that food in their mouths, but they could never do it. So it turned that beautiful place into a living hell. Heaven was exactly the same. A beautiful banquet hall with a long table right down the center. And on that beautiful table was all the food you could ever hope to want or need, stacked to the ceiling. Different people, but the exact same chopsticks. The people in heaven had realized that the chopsticks were just long enough to reach across the table and feed each other. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's not what my Bible tells me heaven and hell's like. But it's exactly what this world is like. There are people out there right now that would push you down to get one step ahead. They'd take your last dollar and add it to their million. They would do anything it took to give them an advantage, taking your last meal and putting it in their cupboard to spoil. But the truly happy people, the truly successful people, the true leaders in our society are the ones who realize that we exist on this planet to do one thing and one thing only, and that is serve one another. I want you to do something at the end of this podcast. I want you to think about who you serve. For me, I told you that has changed over the years, about the time that story became a lot more important to me, because there was a time in my life, in my career, when I only served myself. And I thought that all I was supposed to do was move up in rank as fast as I could, as far as I could, elbow my way to the front of every crowd, somehow end up in a leadership position, whether I was ready or not. That's what I thought being a success was. But that's changed for me now. I realize that the most successful moments I have are not when I serve myself, they're when I serve others. So on my list, the very first name that I serve is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what, folks? I've always been a believer. That was the easy part. I haven't always been a follower. And when I became a follower, things got better in my life. My family's on that list now. They're the ones who had to suffer while I was out there showing off and making all the promotions. They're the ones who had to sit at home and wonder when I was going to make it, what kind of mood I'd be in when I got there. But I serve my family now. I want them proud of me. And the way to make them proud is to take care of them above everyone else. I serve my friends. I have a lot of friends in this world. Executive Director Howard Cook's one of my friends. Miss Laura Masterton is the one who helped me put all this together. She's my friend. And at the end of this podcast, I don't want them to say, gosh, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be, or wow, Paul, I didn't know he was that kind of jerk. Whatever it is we say about people these days who are only worried about themselves. I want them to be proud of their friend and our friendship just like I am them. But do you know what all of them have in common? My faith, my family, and my friends is that none of them really need me to be successful. They're doing just fine without me. So I look across that table every now and then 
and I look to serve someone else that I don't know, my fellow man. That's who's made my list here recently. During the last year or two, I realized they're struggling out there. They're hurting. They're in our cities. They are our citizens. They're our neighbors, and they are lost. They don't know what to do. They're sitting there trying to get that own, the food in their own mouths, and they're angry, and they're hurt, and there's the gnashing of teeth and starvation. No matter how beautiful the world looks or how beautiful the house they're living in is, so every now and then, what I try to do is I get their attention and I reach across that table and I serve them. I realize they need me more than anyone else. Have you looked across the table lately and seen who's sitting there? Who is it that you serve? Because I promise you, if you don't really see anyone over there to reach out and hold that chopstick to and feed them when they're struggling, then there's a good chance you're just trying to push that food in your own mouth. And you might be turning a beautiful job, a beautiful family, a beautiful life in this world into a living hell. Look at your list and decide who you're going to serve. Your list doesn't have to look like mine. You're going to have anyone on the list you want. But make sure that your name's not the only one on it. Because these are tough times. And as I said early on, it's all hands on deck. We need you. Whatever leadership style you have, bring it to the table. And take it from the table out to the community. I promise we can win this battle. We will win this war. But we won't do it as individuals. We'll only do it as a team. Now, I'm thankful for my time here. And I invite you to reach out to me. I have a website, paul-butler.com, paul-butler.com. If you have any comments or you'd like me to bring this message across to your agency or out in your area, if you liked what you heard here today, I expect you to give some good feedback. Let everyone know. Talk to your bosses, talk to the National Academy staff, talk to everyone and let them know you loved what you heard here today. Now, if you didn't like what you heard here today, I'd appreciate it if you'd keep that to yourselves. Ladies and gentlemen, I look forward to the next time our paths cross. You inspire me, and I thank you for your leadership, most importantly, for your friendship. Good luck. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this edition of Leadership APB. Please be sure to join us on the first Wednesday of every month for the latest episode of our podcast series. Until then, take care, stay safe, and be well.